Welcome to Coast to Ghost. I'm Carly. And I'm B. And we're two friends that met each other working at Build-A-Bear a while ago. And now we tell spooky stories to keep each other entertained. Oh yeah, another week, another episode. Yeah, this is our, our second to last episode before the end of the yeah, season. Yeah, for the season. And then we'll start back up with some cool, quirky, new stuff. Probably not quirky, actually kind of spooky. <laughs> I feel like you could argue that quirky could translate into spooky. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like we're quirky. I take offense no, to that. No, I don't, I don't want to be quirky. I'm take that back. Gross, <laughs> I, I just like, gave myself an ick. I know, you gave me an ick, and it's like a secondhand ickness. <laughs> I hated it. <laughs> so, I do have a question for you today. Um, I'm not going to lie to you, I'm not going to miss coming up with questions <laughs> for next season, because that is one of the things that we are switching up. But... Uh, my friend Hunter, she sent me a TikTok, and it was, you know how people, like, splice them and they answer the question? Yeah. The question was, if you were to write a note and you're, like, kidnapped, what would you put in the note to tip off your your rescuers that you were in danger? Hey, Gibby, happy fourth. <laughs> Every fourth, every fourth word. Here's our message. Every fourth word. Happy birthday, Gibby. <laughs> the fact that you have that memorized is actually terrifying. I, that's me. not word for word, but <laughs> if my rescuer was my sister and I sent that, she would 100% get it. She would know. 100%. If they're like, write it, you have to write a message to your sister, but not tip them off that you're kidnapped. It would literally be, hey, Gibby, happy fourth. <laughs> <laughs> happy, happy fourth. <laughs> that, that episode was like fucking wild, man. It really was. Like, I'm, okay, this might be controversial, but I'm more of a victorious girl. I like that show mm. more than I, Carly. But I will say, that episode top notch 10 out of 10 i think i would also maybe like you know how sometimes when people are in trouble and they call the police but pretend it's like the pizza man yeah yeah right so if i had to call like one of my family or friends to come like rescue me and i had to pretend i was like ordering pizza i think because i don't eat meat a red flag for them would me being like hey I want a pepperoni pizza with extra sausage. Interesting. They'd be like, something's not right. Okay. Huh. What would you say? I, you know, I haven't really thought about it. For once in my life, I haven't huh, thought about it. I have two answers and you have none. I have like half an answer. I feel like I, I get like stuck on hyperfixations a lot. And I feel like if I brought up one of those hyperfixations and I was like, they, they're fucking trash. Like, I feel like then... <laughs> Molly, who's my sister, would probably be like, something's not right here. Something's not. Like, something's not right. okay. Um, yeah. But I don't have, like, any code words with my family or anything or any reason for them to... Me neither. ...freak out. I mean, no one's... I, I'm being presumptuous, but no one's going to kidnap me. Like, it's just... Stay tuned for first episode of next season where we cover the kidnapping of B. Yeah, I... <laughs> I jinxed myself. I might get kidnapped now. <laughs> I hope not. Oh my god, no, I'm scared. <laughs> no, I'm gonna be fine. I'm fine. I look mean. I look scary. I'm neither of those things, but 
I can carry out that vibe. No one's going to go for it. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think I would just like be like, ah, uh, you know what? To fuck Marvel. Fuck that shit. <laughs> Natasha Romanoff right, yeah. is ugly as fuck. Like, then, yeah, then that would yeah. tip them off. They'd be like, oh, God. Yeah. Okay. If if I had to send one to my family and it was like, Taylor Lautner is the ugliest man in the world, they'd be like, oh, something's up. That's who, that's your, that's who you picked? Yep, my love. Is that your, like, your pass? That's my, that's my, no, probably. Nah, mm. I, I don't know. I don't know. He's just like, the like my celebrity like crush uh, since childhood since literal childhood dude i found uh my nintendo ds yesterday and i've had it since i was in middle school and there was literally stickers from j14 on the front of it and one was taylor lautner <laughs> and the other one was like this pink sticker that said boys for life but like it didn't spell Such out a confused for. little kid i know i know who would uh he i think it was the werewolf thing I think it was the werewolf thing. Not the shark thing. It was the shark boy for me. Really? Shark boy. Mm-hmm. See, I was more in a lava it, girl, that... which is confusing on why I put the J14 <laughs> stickers on the DS. Like... That's a topic for maybe therapy. <laughs> yeah. I keep ghosting my therapist, so. Oh. We're doing great. Oh, that's. No. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so. speaking of, um, yeah, what do you have going on? I am excited. Okay, so I was gonna jump right in to mine. So my story starts in Nassau County, New York, on May nineteenth, nineteen ninety-two. I think you're gonna know this because it's a pretty famous, like, very, very famous case. I feel like you put too much faith into me. Of, no, this of is the like brain cells famous. I have. This is like pretty famous. So after sending her two young children off to school, Mary Butafuco was at home in Long Island. No, not yet. <laughs> Oh, I okay, maybe you don't know this because the last name would have given it away right away. Yeah, but I'm fucking dumb. <laughs> but like, you know, every other story that I tell. Most of the, uh, I might know like the story, but the name probably not. Hmm. So while at home, she heard a knock at her door. Upon walking to the front door, she saw a young woman standing there. The young woman identified herself as 19-year-old Anne Marie. Mary had also noticed that Anne-Marie was accompanied by a man sitting in a car right behind her. Anne-Marie claimed that her husband, Mary's husband, Joey Buttafuoco, was having an affair with Anne-Marie's 16-year-old sister. Nothing? I thought I had it. I thought I had it for one second um, when yeah. you said the car behind her, but I don't think I'm correct. I'm thinking of the, um, fuck, what is it called? There's a movie on Netflix about it called, like, Lost Girls, I think. It's a serial killer. Uh, no. Okay, okay. No. So I'm, I'm way off base. Mary was obviously pretty confused with all this information, and Anne-Marie then provided proof of the affair by showing Mary an advertisement t-shirt for Complete Auto Body, which was where Joey worked. Mary, still blinded, sided by this news, really didn't know how to react to all this information. So she replied to Anne-Marie with something along the lines of, Look, Anne-Marie, I don't know what you want me to do about this. I was raised to be a good Catholic girl. Thanks for coming by. She then asked Anne-Marie to leave. I'm Catholic. What Get Mar- the fuck off my porch. <laughs> what Mary didn't realize was after saying this, her world would completely turn upside down. She then turned her head to head back into the house and closed the door. What? And Anne-Marie had shot Mary in the head. 
And she also, I believe, like, she hit her with the gun and then shot her. So the bullet lodged at the base of her brain, right above her spinal column, and ended up breaking her jaw and severed her corroded artery. Anne-Marie then dropped the gun and t-shirt and made her way to the vehicle behind her and drove off with the man in the car. What, you know what I've never understood? This is a tangent. When a man cheats on his wife, why does the wife go after the mistress and not the man cheating? The man. Like, I've yeah. never, there, there are countless cases like that. So, like, I just, yeah. I've never understood, but, you know. So, Mary's neighbors then heard the gunshots and called 911 immediately. Mary was brought to the hospital where she was operated on for several hours. It was actually, like, lasted all night long that her she was being operated on. The doctors were not able to remove the bullet. However, they were able to save her life. She was left with some face paralysis, and she was also deaf in one ear, but she did survive. Let's go, Mary. Like When she, when she regained consciousness, Mary was able to remember her attacker, which was 19-year-old Anne-Marie. With Anne-Marie leaving the t-shirt behind, Joey actually recognized it right away. He knew it belonged to a man, Elliot Fisher, who had a 17-year-old daughter named Amy Fisher. Now, maybe wondering or thinking, like, where all this came from? Like, who was Anne-Marie? Who was Amy Fisher? How did all this fit together, right? Yeah. confusing. So Amy Fisher was born on August 21st, 1974 in Merrick, New York on Long Island to Elliot and Roseanne Fisher. In 1990, Amy was about 16 and a high school student at Kennedy High School. Her father had taken her car into complete auto body shop and this is where Amy and Elliot had actually met Joey Buttafuoco. Now back to May 1992, once Joey recognized the t-shirt, he came completely clean to the police, saying that he had been having an affair with then 17-year-old Amy. At this time, Joey was about 36. And Amy was 17. Fantastic. He, Love that. Yeah. So he had recently ended their relationship, however, and he informed the police where they could find her. And on May 22nd, 1992, police pulled her over in her car just a short distance from her house. Now, speculation has come to place on the reason for the attack. Was it retaliation for Joey ending their relationship? And there was also speculation during the trial from Amy's attorney that Joey was the one who actually planned the attack and ordered Amy to shoot his wife, but there's no evidence to support this. But due to the publicity of this trial, Amy was given the nickname, the Long Island Lolita. Um, no. I know. You really don't know. I, I don't, don't. I don't. I'm you very don't know, familiar like, Joey with. Buttafuoco? It sounds. The last name sounds very familiar. Um, and Lolita, I know, is another super controversial case, um, and a super controversial book, which makes me vomit every time yeah. I think about it. But yeah, no, never. Yeah, this is like super public. This case. Shit. No. So. She uh, admitted after meeting Joey at the auto body shop that she would actually purposely damage her car just so she could visit him. Okay, that would piss me off more than anything. <laughs> like, listen, I am trying my fucking hardest to, like, live my life and this some fuckboy in a garage is like, I'm actually going to bash your headlight just so I can see you again. It's really cute, actually. Right. Like, no, that's actually not cute. And it's like, yeah. So Amy was arrested and charged with attempted murder, and on September 23, 1992, accepted a plea bargain where she pleaded guilty to first-degree assault. 
She was sentenced to five to 15 years, but actually only spent seven. I'd be pissed if I was Mary. <laughs> yeah. So Joey also was charged with counts of statutory rape, sodomy, and endangering the welfare of a child because, again, he, like, she was 16, 17, and he was, like, 35, 36. That is so fucked up. Yeah. So he initially pleaded not guilty, but later changed his plea to guilty and admitted having sex with Amy when she was only 17, and he very much knew that she was 16, 17. He was sentenced to six months in jail, but only spent around four. Disgusting. That is, ugh. That's an, another can of worms that we don't want to open is like yeah, how yeah. long people are charged for assault and grooming yeah. and how yeah. they just don't really serve they that much time get... anyway. Right, right. So after he was released, Joey and Mary still actually remained married and they moved to California. But on uh, February 3rd, 2003, the couple was officially divorced. Since then, Mary had underwent plastic surgery in 2006 to help repair some of the injuries, which led to actual improvement in her hearing, although she did was still paralyzed on one side and was still deaf in one ear, but her hearing somewhat did improve. She also successfully promoted awareness of facial paralysis when her son inspired her to write a, st- a book about her story. The book is called Getting Through My Thick Skull, Why I Stayed, What I Learned, and What Millions of People Involved with Sociopaths Need to Know. Everybody go buy that book immediately. Like, not only to support Mary, but it just, it sounds like a really good read and something anybody could benefit from. And how she, like, came to be, like, to write this book is her son referred to Mary's ex-husband, Joey, also her son's father, as a sociopath. And Mary at first was like, I don't really know what that word means. And then looking up the word, she was like, that's my husband. I'm going to, like, speak my story. Can you imagine? And so she eventually remarried in 2012 to Stu Tendler. But unfortunately, in 2018, he passed away due to cancer. Did, I, I hope they had, like, a really good marriage, though. Like, a good, yeah. good time together. So the incident actually made Joey a small celebrity. And he appeared on a lot of mainstream and tabloid news headlines. He became like the butt of the joke in a lot of late night with David Letterman um, like sketches as well as he was often parodied in various Saturday Night Live sketches. He also uh, remarried in 2005 to Ivanka Franjoko, I think is how you pronounce her name. So not Anne-Marie. No. No, so Anne-Marie was actually, I guess I failed to say that, Anne-Marie was like a fake alias. Oh. So Anne-Marie was actually Amy Fisher. And Amy Fisher was the one who went to the door. Gotcha, like, gotcha. Sister. I guess I really probably should have. No, I think, I think that you mentioned that. so bad on my no, part. No, I think you did. I just no, it didn't I, click. I really don't think I did, so I'm just going to apologize. So essentially, Amy Fisher went up was she was pretty butthurt that joey ended their relationship so she was like i'm gonna shoot his wife and so she um disguised herself not really disguised herself because mary had no idea who she was so she was just like hey i'm Anne marie my sister is having an affair with your husband but she actually didn't have a sister so she just said her name was Anne marie but she was actually amy fisher saying all that stuff. It's actually really sad because that's like exactly how a 17, 16 year old girl would handle the situation. Yeah. So, damn. 
so yeah like when um so she dropped like when she dropped the t-shirt and like as soon as joey saw the t-shirt he was like i know exactly what happened because he knew that amy had the t-shirt damn so amy eventually made her way into the adult film industry with her limelight she received from this case she's also written a couple books about her side of the story and been the center of a variety of movies based on her and been portrayed by actresses such as drew barrymore and Alyssa milano in 2006 on an entertainment tonight segment Mary and Amy actually reunited where Amy had said she wanted to heal and move on from everything that happened. However, two years later, in 2008, she expressed no sympathy for Mary. Like, word for word, she was like, I have no sympathy for Mary. You shot her! Right. Right. My God. Like, Mary was literally so, like, innocent in all of this. Then, Amy and Joey reunited for her coin toss at the lingerie bowl. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, if you, don't know what it is, <laughs> if you don't know what that is, it's literally just a bunch of women playing football in lingerie. Love that. Extremely sexist. Mm-hmm. And then in 2007, uh, they were both spotted together, Joey and uh, Amy, in an attempt to potentially start a reality TV show, which never happens. She was also uh, on, a, I believe, the fifth season of Celebrity Rehab. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. That tracks. If there was anything, I wouldn't see her in Survivor. Like, no. <laughs> Mary, maybe. Mary Mary probably could. She a badass. She, she a badass. She bullet to the head. For, she did absolutely nothing. And uh, this is actually so disgusting to me that, like, people turn this into a joke, it sounds like. I just noticed this, but I'm just going to throw this out. That B is literally wearing a Ted Bundy shirt. (laughs) (laughs) I am. You Um, psychopath. Listen, it says uh, Stranger Danger on the bottom of it. Stop romanticizing. (laughs) I promise you I'm not romanticizing him. I went to... I've never worn this shirt out in public because I'm not that terrible. I'm in my pajamas. Um, But... (laughs) Hey, you wear that to bed. You just like are like... (laughs) Ted Bundy. I have a picture under my pillow that I kiss every night. Probably. Of Ted Bundy, <laughs> of Zac Efron as Ted Bundy. Um, no, I went to a uh, a crime museum called Alcatraz, and it was just the shirt oh, cool. that was given out when you went through it. So I didn't want to get rid of it. It's a shirt. Mm-hmm. I have emotional attachments to shirts, dude. Like I, I don't know why, and I get them everywhere. But yeah, I am wearing a Ted Bundy shirt. <laughs> Cute. Well, that is the story of uh, the Long Island Lolita and the Butterfugos. I fucking, I hate that. I hated that. I loved your storytelling. Don't get me wrong. It was terrible no. this time. Sorry, I'm a little <laughs> rusty, guys. I took a couple weeks off. No, it, it was great. You did a great <laughs> job. But, like, fuck them. Like, yeah. I hate them, actually. So. Yeah, I hate everybody but Mary. And, like, her kids. Her kids are pretty cool. Her kids are pretty chill. He's a psychopath. He is a psychopath, and he's an asshole. Mm -hmm. So, what do you have for us this week? Also a thing about psychopaths. But a different oh, kind cool. of psychopath. My favorite type, which is a suburban psychopath. Um, 
<laughs> it's a very it's a very niche like genre in media like I'm talking Stepford Wives and like A Simple Favor, like those types of movies. I'm a sucker yeah. for it. I'm actually. I know. I know how you feel about A Simple Favor. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> Blake Lively in a suit kissing Anna Kendrick. Can you blame me? After Anna Kendrick kissed her like half brother, step brother. <laughs> yeah, that I didn't like that part. The book was worse. The book was <laughs> so much worse. It like really went into shit. Anyway, <laughs> suburban like scandal is one of my favorite things in the world. I love it. Oh yeah, of course. We love gossip here at Coast to Ghost. Exactly. Desperate Housewives, one of my favorite shows mm-hmm. as a kid. Me I too. loved it. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Thrived off seven year old Carly literally made friends by going to school and being like, Did you guys watch this episode of Desperate Housewives? <laughs> Same. That and then Pretty Little Liars. I was like, Did mm-hmm. you guys watch this episode? Oh my god. Like <laughs> We have issues. This is why mm-hmm. we're we're co-hosts of a podcast together. So, yeah, about psychopaths. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. This I do want to give you guys a disclaimer. This might be a little long. Um, my research isn't that long, but there are some like literary pieces in here that I reference that are kind of long. Um, for some reason, I keep getting cases filled with letters and like a ton of documentation. So you know what? We're just gonna fucking go for it. Now, is this something that you think like? I've heard? No. Oh? No. Oh, cool. I, you know, I barely heard of it. It was actually very hard for me to get research done on this because it wasn't widely reported. It was, it was oh. yeah, it was, it was kind of hard to, to get some stuff into. So I don't, I don't think you're going to have heard of it. No offense. Okay. You might have actually. I'm just stupid. You <laughs> Never. So when every prospective homeowner looks into buying a place of their own, they consider a few things. Natural light, hardwood flooring, if there's a washer and dryer in the unit, and if you're anything like me and Carly, ghosts, because that's all I think about when I look for houses. I'm like, is this place fucking haunted? Anyway, it's a lingering fear that when you rent or buy a place with a potent history, something weird will happen with it. And I am going to talk about the Broadus family who closed a deal on their home in June of 2014, and ghosts actually didn't seem to be an issue. The thing haunting the house was much scarier than that. Interesting. Yeah. This is like your most recent story that you've ever told on this podcast. I know, I know, yeah. This is this is I'm a so current surprised. year. Yeah, I am too. Yeah. <laughs> I actually I started research on something else in the 1900s, and then I was like, you know what? No. I just did this instead. So the house was located on 657 Boulevard in Westfield, New Jersey. It was described as a house that carried early 1900s colonial style. It's a six-bedroom home. So the house sold on July 1st for $1.3 million, and they almost immediately brought in... Is it Canada Day? It's July July 1st? 1st. Yeah. Holy shit. That's crazy. That sounded like I was being a dick, I promise. No, I just didn't really know that. Um, So, yeah, they they bought the house for $1.3 million, and then they immediately brought contractors in to, like, make changes to the home. Um, Because, you know, it was was an older home. Um, Gorgeous, by the way. The Zillow listing, 10 out of 10. (laughs) Um, Which is another thing that I found while doing research on on a... recent case was that there are Zillow listings for these places instead of just mm-hmm. like this place is mm-hmm. on fire and dirt. So mm-hmm. <laughs> really great stuff. 
The family consisted of Maria Bradas, who was who had grown up in the suburb of Westview, her husband Derek, and their three young children. Derek was a CEO of a fairly successful insurance company, leading them to upsizing when it came to their living style. Nice. Yeah. So it was around 10 p.m. on June 5th when Derek took a break from painting the inside of the home. He, out of habit, walked down to the mailbox. There wasn't much there because they had just bought the place four days prior, but there was a small invitation-like white envelope. There was no return address, and in big block letters, the words to the new owners were written. The letter stated the following, and this is where it gets kind of lengthy. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Dearest new neighbor of 657 Boulevard, allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood. How did you end up here? Did 657 Boulevard call to you with the force within? 657 Boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades now, and as it approaches us, its 110th birthday, I have been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s, and my father watched it in the 1960s. It is now my time. Do you know the history of the house? Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out. I see already that you have flooded flooded 657 Boulevard with contractors so that you can destroy the house as it was supposed to be. Bad move. You don't want to make 657 Boulevard unhappy. You have children. I have seen them. So far, I think there are three that I have counted. Are there more on the way? Do you need to fill the house with the young blood I requested? Better for me, was your old house too small for the growing uh, for the growing family, or was it greed to bring me your children? Once I know their names, I will call to them and draw them to me. Who am I? There are hundreds and hundreds of cars that drive by 657 Boulevard each day. Maybe I am in one. Look at, look at all the windows you can see from 657 Boulevard. Maybe I am in one. Look out any of the main windows in 657 Boulevard at all the people who stroll by each day. Maybe I am one. Welcome, my friends. Welcome. Let the party begin. Tell me what... Oh my god, I just threw up. That is so scary. I would... If I ever got something like that, my my ass would be gone. Different state. Gone. Literally. So... And I know it's lengthy, and I'm sorry for stuttering through that, but the way this guy writes, it's it's very run-on sentences, and sometimes it's just, it's oh, wild. But, it, but run-on sentences are so creepy. They are. And I mean, it. This the reason why I picked this case is some of the, the verbiage that he uses, like young blood and um, the watcher, like the whole entire thing reminds me of the letter that the Axeman sent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that is mm-hmm. one of the main reasons I picked this. Um and we're in for a ride because there are a couple more letters and oh no i'm gonna probably have diarrhea by the end of this (laughs) joke's on you i already have diarrhea (laughs) (laughs) so clearly this freaked Derek the fuck out he pocketed the letter and ran back to his house flicking off all the lights and calling the authorities he reported the incident and returned to his old residence to discuss what had happened with maria subsequently they decided to contact those who they purchased the house from an older couple by the name of john and andrea woods hmm 
Yeah, so Andrea and John had lived in the home for 23 years with their two sons prior to selling it. Their kids had become adults and they needed to downsize. Andrea said that she had received a strange letter from the watcher in May asking them to usher young blood into the home. Since she had never gotten one of these before, she played it off as a prank, but upon hearing a second letter had been sent, she and Maria went to the law uh, went to law enforcement together to report the incident. Detectives warned the Broadus family not to speak a word of this to anyone else, fearing that it might tip off the culprit. Because at this point, they were like, yeah, maybe it's a neighbor. We don't know. Right, right. Two weeks later, the second letter arrived. This time, it was addressed to the Broadduses, even though their surname was spelled incorrectly. And I'm going to go into the letter again. Some of the stuff is redacted, um, obviously, because it's the name of the children that... Uh, right. The, and they're minors, so we're not going to do that. So it says, welcome again to your new home at 657 Boulevard. The workers have been busy and I have been watching you unload carfuls of your personal belongings. The dumpster's a nice touch. Have they found what is in the walls yet? In time they will. I am pleased to know your names now, and then redacted, and the name of the young blood you have brought to me. You certainly say their names often. Redacted? I saw redacted <laughs> with the easel on the porch. Is she the artist of the family? 657 Boulevard is anxious for you to move in. It has been years and years since young blood has ruled the hallways of the house. Have you found all the secrets it has to hold yet? Will the young blood play in the basement, or are they too afraid to go down there alone? I would be very afraid if I were them. It is far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, you would never hear them scream. Will they sleep in the attic, or will you all sleep on the second floor? Who has the bedrooms facing the street? I'll know as soon as you move in. I will, it will help me know who is in which bedroom. Then I can plan better. All of the windows and doors in 657 Boulevard allow me to watch you and track you as you move through the house. Who am I? I am the watcher and have been in control of 657 Boulevard for the better part of two decades now. The Woods family turned it over to you. It was their time to move on and kindly sold it when I asked them to. I pass by many times a day. 657 Boulevard is my job, my life, my obsession. And now you are too, Broadus family. Welcome to the product of your greed. Greed is what brought the past three families to 657 Boulevard, and now it has brought you to me. Have a happy moving in day. You know I will be watching. Signed, The Watcher. I'm going to be honest, I think this is probably one of the creepiest cases that we've talked about on this podcast. Yet. Really? Yeah. This is the this one. one this is the one that's giving me the big chills whoever's writing this big is a psychopath chills. um yeah so i i totally get it <laughs> i i mean knowing what i know now i'm not as spooked but i can yeah when i was doing research for this i actually had to go off of a couple different youtube videos which i never really do i like to stick to like physical sources nothing's wrong with going with youtube videos but like yeah it's harder it's, to track and yeah, to source yeah. correctly so um yeah i mean it it definitely freaked me out listening to it i could not stop listening to it at this point <laughs> so Derek did not want to move his family into the home but their current residence was sold so they had no choice but to move in with Maria's parents and at the urging of Andrea Woods they started to look into the neighbors according to Cut Magazine the letters were processed in Kearney, New Jersey which is the main hub for Westfield so it had to be someone local the family attended a local block party a few days after the first letter and were understandably uptight about being around possible suspects Derek struck up conversation with a neighbor John Schmidt who lived two doors down in the middle of them lived the Lanfords there was 90 year old widow Peggy Langford um is it Langford yeah it is Langford 
Uh, I've seen it Lanford and Langford, so I'm just going to go with Langford. Then there was her 60-year-old son, Michael Langford, who people described as odd, and a 60-year-old daughter named Abby Langford. From what I read, Peggy's husband had passed away, so her two older kids moved back into the house, which a lot of people thought was strange. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I can see that point of view of that being strange. I mean, No, it's just like they moved in to help their mom. Yeah, your mom's right? a 90-year-old like, widow. Right. Like You're going to be a little odd. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's just, I think he was, it's a, it's a whole thing. So Derek brought this up to an investigator on the case, and he stated that he already looked into Michael and figured that he was harmless. This frustrated the family, so they started their own investigation into the letters. They hired a private investigator, and Derek also reached out to a former FBI agent who was the inspiration of Clarice in Silence of the Lamb. Huh. Yeah, which I think is a bit of overkill, and I think he's wasting these people's time. Yeah. Because, I mean, the FBI just did say, I don't think this person's going to make a move. I just think they're fronting right now. Like, you yeah. know. Um, so they actually did end up doing a DNA test on the letter because someone had licked it shut. And that ruled out Michael completely because whoever had licked the letters was actually a woman. Hmm. Yeah. So this led Derek to immediately think, oh, if it's not Michael Langford, it's Abby Langford. Right. Uh, But he had someone tail her and pick up a water bottle from that she had had drank from. And they tested the DNA and that also was not a match. So they didn't really have any evidence against the Langfords saying that this was this had anything to do with them. It was just the fact that Michael Langford was a 60 year old that. Had yeah, full view. It was kind of weird, yeah. Yeah, it was kind of odd. I had full view of everything. So, uh, the investigation ended up stalling, and another letter was sent. You ready for this one? No. <laughs> <laughs> this one said, Where have you gone to? 657 Boulevard is missing you. Are you one of those Hoboken transplants who are ruining Westfield? The house is crying from all the pain that it is going through. You have changed it and made it so fancy. You are stealing its history. It cries for the past and what used to be in the time when I roomed, uh, roamed, not roomed, when I roamed its halls. The 1960s were good were a good time for 657 Boulevard when I ran from room to room, imagining the life with rich occupants here. The house was full of life and young blood. Then it got sold, or then it got old, and so did my father, but he kept watching until the day he died. And now I watch and wait for the day when the young blood will be mine again. 657 Boulevard is turning on me. It is coming after me. I don't understand why. What spell did you cast on it? It used to be my friend, and now it is my enemy. I am in charge of 657 Boulevard. It is not in charge of me. I will fend off its bad things and wait for it to become good again. It will not punish me. I will rise again. I will be patient and wait for this to pass and for you to bring the young blood back to me. 657 Boulevard needs young blood. It needs you. Come back. Let the young blood play again like I once did. Let the young blood sleep in 657 Boulevard. Stop changing it and let it alone. Signed, The Watcher. You. Yeah, I, I hate the mention of young blood. It's fucking disgusting. Yeah, the notes are just really, really creepy. They're really <laughs> creepy. Like, yeah. I I don't understand. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you the entire time I was reading this and I was thinking The Watcher. The only thing in my brain was, oh, my God, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, The Watcher. <laughs> but, like, that 
it clearly is not this man but like i still imagine him with a british accent and like kind of charming but he's not yeah. it's also it might be a woman you don't know so maria was suffering from ptsd and derek had fully involved himself to them into matters to the point of obsession so um they just they they couldn't like they mm-hmm. they didn't want to move into the house they were still paying the I mortgage on the house yeah it's it's wild um so they actually abandoned it and they still i mean the mortgage from as far as i know is still in their name um but they moved to a new house in westview and they started to suffer from a lot of uh i guess like suburban turmoil is is the best Mm. phrase for it because people were turning on them because Westview is known as like this gorgeous town like it's it's idyllic like people love it there and they're essentially saying you're making sure that this doesn't feel safe like what the fuck yeah so they are are getting a lot of scrutiny at this point and then uh the letters like stopped completely for a while and um Derek would like and they were just being delivered to the west the house yeah the, so they were just being delivered right. to the house um and they weren't being hand delivered either which we'll see kind of something different uh for future letters but there are like a few theories and i will say that i am biased towards this because apparently i believe the worst in people um but a lot of people go back and forth between this being legit or this just being a scam like a complete scam uh so people thought that the family realized quickly that they were in over their heads financially and concocted a way to get their money back people found it odd that they kept renovating the house after they decided not to move in and then the only explanation for how they could go from three hundred thousand dollars on a mortgage payment of their previous house to 1.3 million dollars it just like didn't makes sense to anybody uh, yeah makes sense yeah Yeah, and then when uh derek was questioned about it he said i don't know it's america yeah okay so i so i don't know the broadest family didn't end up getting a new home in westfield but faced a lot of scrutiny um which i already said pretty much their kids were kind of getting harassed and everything and and they were just like in a really bad place which i feel bad for them but i do still lean towards the fact that this is probably a massive fucking hoax um so they couldn't end up selling the place because no one wanted to buy it mm-hmm. so they ended up renting it and one day Derek returned to deal with some concerns on the property and he was handed a fourth and final letter and this one said violent winds and bitter cold to the vile and spiteful redacted and his wench of a wife redacted which we know is Derek and Maria um you wonder who the watcher is turn around idiots maybe you even spoke to me um yeah maybe you even spoke to me one of the so-called neighbors who has no idea who the watcher could be or maybe you do know and are too scared to tell anyone good move i walked by the news trucks when they took over the neighborhood and mocked me i watched as you watched me from the dark house in an attempt to find me telescopes and binoculars are wonderful inventions 
657 Boulevard survived your attempted assault and stood strong with its army of supporters barricading its gates. My soldiers of, of the Boulevard followed my orders to a T. They carried out their missions and saved the soul of 657 Boulevard with my orders. All hail the Watcher. Maybe a car accident, maybe a fire, maybe something as simple as a mild illness that never seems to go away, but makes you uh, feel ill. He spelled it fell ill. Um, after day, after day, after day. Maybe the mysterious death of a pet. Loved ones suddenly die. Planes and cars and bicycles crash. Bones break. And that was it. Hmm. it that last, he seems like very much more unhinged in this one. Yeah. Um, more threatening. Uh, there was a moment. Just like overall more angry. Yeah, yeah, super angry, which I don't know how he reacted to the renters. Like, there yeah. have been no, there are still people renting out the house to this day, uh, but the rent doesn't fully cover the mortgage, and the Broadduses are still covering the mortgage and keeping up with the place uh, and still getting all that scrutiny whether right. it be like media or or anywhere there just was people yeah yeah just people being a bunch of dicks and most namely a handful of anonymous hand delivered letters mm-hmm. were slipped into mailboxes of those who are most critical of the family they were stated mm-hmm. as weirdly poetic but have never been released and like you know hoax or not the fucking some of the shit on Facebook that was written about these people, like, I think someone said, it was quoted in the article, too, that I'll link in the source notes, but someone even said, I think we should bring tar and feathering back, and I know just the couple to try it out on. Like, people <gasps> were fucked up. Like, people were ba- Wow, like, I mean, like, these poor, this poor family was just, like, trying to be safe, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. And I yeah, mean, like, I... Like I said, I don't I don't know if they wrote the letters yeah. or not. But regardless, you don't treat people like that. Yeah. It's it's fucking wild. This was a huge scandal and uh it actually is massive in the true crime community, but like the more current one, which is probably why I hadn't heard of it. There was uh-huh. actually a made for TV movie released in twenty sixteen called The Watcher that broke down the incident. But as of October of twenty twenty one, a Netflix limited series starring a Bobby, and I'm going to butcher his name, it's Ken Avali, I think, and Naomi Watts, as Derek and Maria, respectively, has begun filming. There is no release date, but it is directed by Ryan Murphy, who is most notably accredited for his work on American Horror Story. And every time Ryan Murphy comes up, I'm just going to throw it out there, blows my mind, and I don't know what kind of mind that Ryan Murphy has, that he is able to create something like American Horror Story as well as Glee. I, you know, I agree. And Scream Queens, married Sociopath. in the middle. Sociopath. <laughs> it actually is. Yeah. Literally. You but, know what? I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I wish it was, um, fuck, what's his name? He did uh, Hill House and Midnight Mass. I wish it was him instead. Because uh, mm. he, fucking insane. Love yeah. that man. Like, He's a so, genius, but that that is the story of six fifty seven. So we don't Boulevard. know who the watcher is. Nope. Huh. But letters have stopped. There's not been any other word on it. Uh, like I said, a lot of people are sticking with the thing that it's just a hoax, and there was no watcher, and they just wanted some money out of the whole entire thing. Very amateur. I don't believe that. You don't. No, I genuinely think that somebody was sending them letters to scare them. Hmm. I could see either way. I could. I I I don't think that Damn. it was them. 
I'm sticking to that. I don't know if this said person would really harm them in any way, but I th- I don't believe it was them. I, you know, there are, like, good arguments for either side. The one where, like, if he was really in so much money trouble, how could he afford to hire a private investigator and an FBI agent? Right. Um, that's one of them, but, like... Yeah, the the letters are just fucking weird, and I don't know if it was just, like, an elaborate prank, but I don't know. I should. I did forget to mention that Maria was also DNA tested against the letter since it was known to be a female, mm-hmm. and it was also not a match, so. Did they uh, DNA test the previous owners? The, there was um something in there about a lawsuit against them, but they didn't really go fully into it. Um, I think Blaine did shift to the woodses a little bit, uh, but it was also something that wasn't proved. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, so that is the Maybe last we've we'll heard about it. Maybe we'll hear more about it in the future. Yeah, I mean, we definitely will once Ryan Murphy gets on his shit. <laughs> That's true. That's true, Ryan. That's true. <laughs> but, yeah, thank you guys for listening this week. We'll be back with the last episode of the season next week. Um... If there's any stories you'd like to hear for our last episode or if there's any stories you'd like to hear for the next season of Coast to Ghost, feel free to either email us at coasttoghostsubmissions at gmail.com or feel free to follow us and DM us on our Instagram, c2gpod. Yeah, I don't think I have anything else to add. You didn't do the weird finger gun things this time. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next week. I gotta go write a letter.